0: out of the swamp and up to the treehouse
1: getting the mud off my feet this is chip.
0: this is captain brunch it's uh, saturday october 7th 2023
1: and i'm just trying to stay awake boy am i tired oh my god
0: it's so funny that you say that because i spent a lot of today napping <laughs> <laughs> what? A lot of the afternoon I spent now, oh. it was to the point where I'm like, "Oh man, am I gonna be able to like make the show today, or am I gonna be like just passed out?" Like, I Seriously? Remember, remember that one time when we were supposed to have LeRon on the show and I just napped through the whole thing, and like he came to my house and knocked on my door, and and like my, and he was so nice. Like my mom was ready to wake me up, and she's <laughs> like,
1: "No, no, it's okay." <laughs>
0: Oh my god! Uh, that's so funny. And and the thing is, I was trying to do this training. The uh, ABYC, like one of these organizations, I'm a member of. They had this online training that was called SurTech, half surveyor, half technician. Wonder you fell asleep. Oh my god. Well, yeah. So I mean, I did like the whole tech side, which was mostly about like electrical installations. And, uh, there was like one really long video about lithium batteries, which is like kind of a more newer technology in terms of the big boats and like running houses or like running house bank or house like services on a boat, you know? So like the, the ovens and the fridges and the ACs and all of those things like, or even starting the, the engines, it's newer with lithium and whatever. So I was, I thought I was going to be able to like get through this whole thing. I'm like, Oh man, I'm I'm making such good progress. Like I did do like six hours of this stuff. And then I went to the surveyor side and then it was like an hour long video. And somehow it just took me like four hours to finish this one hour video. Now, did you fall asleep sitting down or did you actually go and lay down? No, like I got up and laid down. (laughs) I got up and laid down. That's for sure. Uh, I had the opposite day,
1: (laughs) not nearly as technical, (laughs) mostly just working out and, I got a new table. I got a new standing desk. That's what the thing you walked into in in, in the front of the house
0: earlier. It tells you how little I I just, some so like, I come in and I just come right inside. I didn't even see it. Dude, these things are priced to sell at Costco. I
1: was there Wednesday.
0: What? Uh Oh
1: yeah. They're like 200 bucks. It was a stack of at least 10 of them. I'm like, okay, cool. The electrical one. They're on sale. uh, I'll, I'll pick one up later. Right now I'm busy. I come back two days later. There's two left. Oh my God. Dude's taking one. I'm looking at him like, hey, that's my fucking table. <laughs> and then the other one's busted up. I'm like,
0: oh, uh, oh my God. Did you got a discount on that busted up one? Oh, fuck
1: that. It's an electrical table. I'm not going to take a busted up one. I
0: mean, was it, it like one. busted up or was it just the box? Just the box, just a box but. Oh, you whiny bitch. Yeah. Yeah, whiny bitch <laughs> for sure. Fuck that.
1: But so I went back today um, because I, I asked the people there and they looked it up. Oh, there's still 15. So they'll probably bring it out tomorrow. Okay, cool. So I go this morning just to be sure. Uh-huh. There's not 15. Oh yeah. How many was <laughs> There's there? There's one left. Not oh, the busted wow. up one. Another one. No, at least you one didn't get the busted up one. Hiding in the corner. I'm like, okay, <laughs> I'm taking this. So now I just have to set it up, which, yeah.
0: Anyway. So I've got a confession to make. Uh, and it's more like a confession to. Should I put to, on my robes? <laughs> <laughs> no. The uh, no, but. Um, Speak to me, son. Yeah. So basically, you know, between your place and my place, not quite between, but like more or less between there's a Wendy's. Oh God. (laughs) So I've been kind of getting into the habit of after the show, stopping by a Wendy's. And this is not necessarily every single time after the show, but. (laughs) That one's for you. Yeah. Right. And I just, I don't know. I I like to get a hamburger and Wendy's is one of my favorite of the horrible fast food hamburgers.
1: I'm sorry for those who don't know. I'm I guess I'm not anti-fast food, but I just try to avoid it. And I'm
0: anti-fast
1: food. And being the asshole I am, I always bother brunch and like, why are you eating fast food? Why are you eating I'm that crap? A, Stop eating a that crap. hypocritical,
0: <laughs> like, weak-willed shill. You know, like I just can't. the other day I went to Taco Bell.
1: I was proud of you when you got the apps off your phone.
0: <laughs> yeah, I got the Wendy's app on my phone. It's so horrible. <laughs> <laughs> I still haven't eaten there in like two weeks, but I have the app on my phone. <laughs> well i hope it is a short-lived summer fling mm-hmm. so uh, what's been up with you lately chimp i know you mentioned you got a few things and i wanted to bring them up before i brought one other thing up and we do have a guest on the show for anyone tuning in either live or um in the future if they're listening to the recording from a podcast player she'll be Coming on the show shortly, so just wanted to forewarn everyone. <laughs> so
1: Thursday, um, I didn't know that the Adrian Arch Center does they've been doing events outside of the actual center.
0: Um, yeah, on one of the like uh, but, like but on the campus though, right? The Adrian Arch Center.
1: Yeah, so it's it's literally right in front of it, like facing outside on the steps, like the band sets up in front of the doors and then that whole plaza has 60 tables out. Mm -hmm. It's really, really interesting. Um, Facing Biscayne Boulevard?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I know exactly where that is. It's called
1: Live at the Plaza or something. Yeah. They've been doing it since COVID. Obviously it came out of COVID. And my friend had extra tickets because he didn't realize his girlfriend was going out of town. So, (laughs) hey, you want to go see this group called Mad Jazz? I'm like, yeah, sure. Why not? So Corey and I went and it was pretty cool. It was, I mean, very talented people. It was actually three siblings I remember their names. It was Chase Maddox and Alana. Not Alana. Sorry, (laughs) (laughs) Alice. Everyone was super talented. Um, Two lead singers, awesome, awesome singers. Mostly paid like a lot of covers, a lot of like um, like R and B soul covers, stuff like that, which I love. I, I grew up listening to all these songs, but you know, after a while, it gets kind of. It was definitely really well done. I uh, really enjoyed it. So. Did you have food? Like, was there food? I don't want to pay for that. <laughs> <laughs> we did go to Pinch after, and that was good. What's Pinch? Pinch Kitchen. It's off of A3rd and Biscayne. I don't know it. Nice little, like, old house turned into a restaurant. So it has a really, like, homely feel. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, Cool place. Check it out. Cool. So that was my Thursday. Going to a concert. And then tomorrow I'm going to go see a
0: movie. Uh, Blue Giant Blue Giant what's that about
1: so it is it's it's an anime film it's it's based on um, a manga which I've read which it's I I love this premise because I'm a huge huge jazz fan and I don't know anybody especially my age who enjoys it as much as I do and that's always been a struggle for me all my
0: life (laughs) since high school enjoys anime as much as you do Jazz, jazz, jazz jazz jazz
1: So here is this story about this uh this kid fresh out of high school who Japanese kid who discovers jazz and loves to play it and teaches himself a saxophone and doesn't really like all his friends like don't really get it they're like what 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 is jazz but like <laughs> <laughs> what is jazz because everyone listens to pop and this and that and but he has this he loves it so much he just plays it and constantly practices it practices and, practice and it's just cool how the, how the story develops and uh, how he meets people and uh, ends up becoming the, the way the story is told, you know, he eventually becomes a worldwide phenomenon.
0: Uh-huh. <laughs> phenomenon. <laughs> yeah. Jazz phenomenon. What, what, what. I know, right? Like- it's hilarious.
1: <laughs> but it's just a really good story. So they actually made it into a movie and it's, um, it's going to be out for two days. I mean, you know, like, cause there isn't a big demand for like that, that stuff in America. So it's just two days showing. So Wh- where? Theaters, AMC,
0: so. The usual suspects. The usual suspects. Well, that's cool. I hope you enjoy the film. You said it's tomorrow, right?
1: And the music is being done by one Hiromi Uehara, which.
0: Hiromi Uehara. Uehara, yes. Ue or
1: Uehara. U-E-H-A-R-A, Uehara. Uh But she just goes by Hiromi. Super crazy, talented jazz pianist. I I love her. I've been listening to her for a long time. And she's actually doing the music, so it's 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 pretty funny how thanks to the algos, they actually recommended to me the soundtrack <laughs> to the movie Wh- where on youtube music Oh okay yeah In algos <laughs> so yeah, so the algos actually had some <laughs> something good because. Yeah. So I kind of blended a lot of my favorite things.
0: Did you know about the movie before the album recommendation? I did
1: it. I didn't even know about the manga and I love, I've been reading manga since I was a teen.
0: That's, that's funny. Well, so it's cool. I mean, I like it when one of these huge mega corporations is actually able to make actually a good does something a positive right. impact on <laughs> our lives. Well, since you brought up a movie, I feel like this is a great time to bring in our guest. We've got the um, filmmaker, director, and producer of Dirty Coin coming in from Puerto Rico, Alana Media Welcome uh, to the show.
2: Hi. (laughs) Hello,
0: hello. (laughs) How are you doing? How's uh, Saturday for you?
2: You know? Um, it's been a good Saturday, a good boozy Saturday.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Glad to hear it. Yeah, you went to brunch earlier, so.
2: I did. I did. No, I started in the right brunch place. today. <laughs> I thought
1: brunch was supposed to be on Sundays. <laughs> Crush me you know, they, they here's can be the thing. be I don't
2: like crowds, but I like being with my friends. And so we had like a good best friends brunch with my favorite people. And I thought I would only go out in the morning. And then in the middle of the day, I got invited to do something else in the evening. And then I went and then I drank like a second time. (laughs) Um, So it was like a second... like turn I mean, turno, right like it mm-hmm. just so, but it was fine like it was my father I hung out with my father and his friends and my neighbors it was great at the yacht club Ooh. so like right <laughs> by the water like the, the, the salt is hitting my face it's so beautiful <laughs> I'll have to post a picture like it was honestly I just live in this little corner of paradise in Puerto Rico and I'm so happy to be um have like back here with my family. It's, it's nice.
1: But so you've been drinking all day and somehow you're still awake.
2: You know, you <laughs> I learn, would be passed out. <laughs> you gotta uh, look, women are very good at this. Like women can, you know, they can put the kids to bed. They can work. They can get a lot of things done. I think that women are like workhorses. I feel like I'm a workhorse, <laughs> but that's okay. I like what I do, but I can definitely stay awake. Like that's not the hard part.
0: Well, I appreciate your doing that to join us today. i um, really excited to have you on. I can't wait to see dirty coin someday. Um, obviously you're still in the, I guess the post-production phase right now, or it's the production phase.
2: Post, yeah, yeah post. we're in post. No more, no more. Well, there actually, there's going to be one more final interview that's going to be important to have, Ooh. but <laughs> it's a very about a, a very very specific question. Um, so yeah, but other than that, we're definitely done uh, with post. No, 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 with production, like yeah. with other interviews. So like there's, for me at this point, after like a year and a half of interviewing people, I'm done. I, I need to call it at some point. <laughs> yeah, and
0: I know exactly. <laughs> I mean, me me and Chimp as musicians and we used to be in a band together. I mean, I, I definitely know that whole thing about like, I need to make it perfect before <laughs> I release it into the universe. Yeah, yeah. It I, done. I sympathize <laughs> with that so much. Now, before, before I, I ask you to give us the sort of the elevator pitch about dirty coin. Cause I do want to talk a little bit about that, but I wanted to get, get your opinion on just what kind of movies and films do you like? Like what inspired you to start making films?
2: You know, um, when the lockdown happened, I was working at Google at the time, and I had just quit. I was doing this event, an in-person event, um Google Cloud, the Google Cloud um, next in San Francisco, the Moscone Center, and I was like producing a lot of the work that was about to happen in person. I, I was always like the in-person like director or producer. Um and suddenly we're all grounded the lockdown. like and and my had already quit. Right. That was the second time I had quick Google. And then (laughs) when Um, The lockdown happened, we had to do these live streams, like everything had to go live stream. So all of the content that we had planned suddenly had to go into this like virtual next. And I didn't know how to do that. And I couldn't be out of a job and in production, like all of my, I I also do, I'm also a director of photography. So all of my shoots got grounded. So everything got canceled. And these are like $2,000 days that I was just suddenly like, oop, they're off the books indefinitely because we have this two week lockdown or whatever. Um and so I started developing this Twitch show called The Third best Movie Trivia Show on Twitch and it was a friend of mine Matt and myself and he would design the game and I would design like the live stream like on Twitch because I wanted to produce and direct like a dope fucking virtual live stream for for, for like the content that I had on my plate because like we were making films for these folks so I wanted to keep the quality high and Not just like a Zoom call, and so Twitch was like my way of um, actually doing late night stuff. Also after long days, but and it was about movies, and so and that's why I got into production in the first place. The thing is that becoming a mother, becoming a parent, you know, living in Silicon Valley, having to live that like fucking Fiat lifestyle that just kind of works you until you're dead, um, that, that whole situation, like it was, I had to stay on top. Um, and so, but it's fine. It's, it was fire under my ass and (laughs) I did this Twitch thing and it took off and I was like, damn, something that I love doing is doing well. And this isn't an agency thing. This is me using my, what I know to do something that I think is important and fun and all of our friends in the life, in the lock during the lockdown they would log on. And it wasn't that many people. It was like 60, 80 people, but it was like 60 to 80 people in Silicon Valley, in LA, in London. Like these were our friends and we were providing this thing. And I felt like I, I don't want to just continue talking about movies and then making movies for companies that just hire me to make movies for them. I wanted to like just make movies. And so it was that, that serendipitous kind of uh, fire and and brimstone <laughs> that kind of led me to I it's time for me to make a movie that is my movie that as a producer I and a director I, I want to make not just um, like a, something that came to me with a request for a proposal you know
1: no I love that that's beautiful it's uh, breaking free of the chains essentially.
2: yeah
0: what was your first step then what was the what was your first attempt at making something for your own personal satisfaction
2: well, I have been doing a lot of like um, little short films that I've won awards for. Like I've already won a bunch of awards and I have a bunch of like whatever accreditations that are in the past that are good. They're like good resume items, but you know, your resume doesn't really matter. It's just kind of, you just gotta keep building, um, especially in filmmaking. So for me, it's, it's really always been, a, I've always been in tech. I started in Silicon Valley, I was there. Um, like w- my husband and I, I had my daughter in 2008 in New York and then we moved to Silicon Valley in 2010 and I started working for an app company. So I was very, I wasn't the earliest, but I was early in Silicon Valley and I was a, a creative and there was a lot of tech, but not a lot of creatives, not a lot of people that could tell stories. And, but we still had people like, you know, Steve jobs that would talk about the value of stories. but not a, still, not a lot of storytellers is why Apple was able to be so successful, Elon is able to be so successful, so I was kind of like on that creative end. Um, and. It just got me so early into tech and into knowing how to tell a story of tech and seeing how me telling the story, which I didn't fucking know what I was saying when I was 24, yet I was making the content for it. Um, Now, I see it as a parent, as a mother, as an older woman in a tribe, um, I see it. And so for me, I wanted to do Bitcoin because I felt like Bitcoin, as a Bitcoiner myself, um, did not have the branding that... That it deserved, and I felt like everything that I know that I have learned has kind of brought me to this place where I can tell the story about energy and mining and Bitcoin and the cloud computing space and our, the physical footprint of our digital lives. Like, this is literally everything I, w- I worked at Google Cloud specifically, like data centers, AI, ML. Like, that I was doing that 10 years ago. So I don't know. I just felt like life and fate and God and everything just kind of aligned. And I felt like I got to do this Bitcoin film. Um, and and i also need to raise money for it and i also need to monetize it properly and i need to use my entrepreneur hat as well like it's not just a labor of love i didn't want to just throw it up on youtube and just hope that people see it i wanted to like really like make it a profitable thing because usually profitable movies are movies that are seen by a lot of people so ultimately you you get both you can you can have both things like you can be profitable and you can you know basically get that message to more people rather than, I see some brilliant YouTube, like Bitcoin creators that barely get more than like 4,000 views on something that is truly remarkable, like truly remarkable content. And so also as a, as a, just as a business person, I wanted to make sure that I didn't get caught up in that. Um, And I could create not just a movie and something that 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 drove me, um, but also a profitable endeavor that it's value for value.
0: So how's that going so far? <laughs> um, how is the you know, <laughs> you know the, the, the raising money and then the the getting the word out because I mean I'm obviously super excited about this documentary. I th- I must have mentioned it several times already on the podcast. So um, so how's it going?
2: Nice. <laughs> um it's actually going really um, incredible and what I love about my investors and I've been like looking at the list a lot recently and the contracts and the stuff with my lawyers every time I read any name that's an investor I'm like I'll tell my lawyer like this person wait until you meet them they're so incredible this <laughs> person we'll t- wait until you meet them they're so incredible like I have usually like my documentary even though it's like it's it's expensive if you don't invest in films, but if you invest in films, I'm spending less than half a million dollars on a doc, on an international documentary. That's that's cheap, right? It's almost like I haven't. That's one of the reasons why Bitcoin didn't go do a blimp in certain radars is because it was just too small. Um, but it's small for the industry, but it's still an expensive thing. That's still half a million dollars on a movie. What on Bitcoin mining? <laughs> like seriously, and. You know this is on youtube it's already there for free who would want to invest in that and when i look at the list it was a lot of people that took a chance and a lot of people that um i don't know i'm just i i just feel really proud of not just the money that i've raised but the people that i've been able to bring to understand what i want to do um so i think it's i think it's gone great and you know we're trying something out we're gonna try three different ways of monetizing this. Like we are, where we have smart people that are working on this every day, and we just want to make sure that we can get this information out because this is just not the kind of media that ever hits like mainstream. Um, but we have an opportunity here to help finance new energy infrastructures around the world. Um, and Bitcoin miners are already doing it, but they're not being given the microphone. Certain people keep getting the microphone. And and I don't mean to call him out in a negative way, but like, for example, Alex DeVries, he gets a Vox You know, whenever somebody needs to interview somebody about Bitcoin mining. They just happen to pick Alex DeVries. And Alex DeVries is not a miner. He's not an energy expert. Um, And and he has made a lot of mistakes, and yet he is the person that is being quoted like three or four times in the Washington paper. I do not mean any disrespect to Alex Devry. I think he comes from a good place of wanting to like research the effect of our digital lives on the physical world. And as another person that is also. Like, that also drives me. I respect that there's somebody like him in the space. So I don't mean to say it in a negative way. But still, to quote a person that does not have the energy backgrounds that certain Bitcoiners do, certain... People are in the Bitcoin industry. They're not necessarily Bitcoiners or senators. They're, you know, energy experts. They're they're geologists. Like these are people that understand. They're engineers. These are people that actually understand this what energy and computing means. Uh, It just doesn't make sense that those people don't get the microphone yet a blogger gets the microphone by mainstream media.
0: Yeah, so this is an issue that. I mean, we see like I have a general criticism about journalism as a profession and as a medium of pro- providing information to the public because it is so common that there's there is a lack of um, like area expertise in both the like research and the presentation of information, um, and so yeah. I, mean, I think about that in science like it's it's so common for non-scientists to be relying on other non-scientists to give them information about science and then we saw that so much during the pandemic Um, you know like all of supposedly scientific medical information was being filtered like a million times by a bunch of non medical experts but somehow trying to give us, you know, with the force of, of medical experts. Then everyone becomes an expert and you talk to on the street. (laughs) Oh yeah. I watched that. And then from, (laughs) from another perspective, like I, I, I agree. I understand where you're coming from saying that, like, you know, you're not bringing that person up to disrespect them it's just you can imagine that anyone who is a public figure and gets invited to go on to some big platform to talk about like it doesn't even almost matter what it is like oh what i get to go on tv um of course so you know you're not going to hold it against them but at the same time it's as someone who does know a lot about bitcoin who cares a lot about bitcoin i Mm -hmm. would prefer it if they actually had area experts and so uh, my next question is do you think of Dirty Coin then as that microphone um, to allow the right people, the people who know what they're talking about, to present their side of the story?
2: Yeah. The thing about their side of the story is that they're the ones that are actually investing millions of dollars into energy infrastructure. So they're the ones where their money is where their mouth is. You know, they're not... Uh, that's why they're not mouthpieces is because they're out actually building. And some of them are, are good. And I think that there's a few companies and a few CEOs that really are good for the space. Alex DaCosta from ACDC, which I also really love the name of her company, um, She, which is Aspen Creek Digital Oh uh, fuck. Whatever. But <laughs> like she's just so amazing and she can speak about it so well. And I feel like very often we Bitcoiners often get stuck on like FUD busting. And it's like, uh, this guy's wrong, this guy's wrong, this guy's wrong. It's like, I get it. But for me, Dirty Coin, it's about then what is it? How how do we replace the void of information with information? And this is where these case studies come into play. And so I see a lot of these people, because it's important to note that Anybody can do this. And I make that point a lot. It's a permissionless system. Anybody can do this, anybody. They busted this prison in South America that they were also mining Bitcoin at that prison. Like they found <laughs> all these ASICs that were connected to the free power of the Holy prison shit. and they were mining Bitcoin. Like there, everybody, anybody can do this. All you have to do is buy this computer and you suddenly have access to mining the most precious things. <laughs> asset digital asset ever and that's incredible but what that means is not everybody's going to be a good player in the space obviously it's just it's just the it's just like the internet of course not everybody that uses the internet is going to be a positive player in the space yet the internet has transformed our lives And are we really willing to let go of the innovation for, you know, the the, the bad side? I know that I'm not I'm I'm I can't (laughs) I depend on this internet lifestyle. But I don't know, I I feel like I'm rambling at this
0: point. (laughs) We're a show for rambling. So (laughs) I, I feel like we've kind of jumped a bit deep into the topic already. So why don't we step back a moment and have you tell us like so what is Dirty Coin? What's it about? for people who maybe are listening to the podcast and have never heard about it before, like didn't hear me ranting about it on previous episodes.
2: Okay, so Dirty Coin is a movie about Bitcoin mining. It's a documentary about Bitcoin mining. And it really focuses on the energy side of Bitcoin mining because it is the side that is criticized the most. It is this anti proof of work. These computers are consuming more energy than certain countries, right? Um, and what's interesting is that the the FUD has actually shown a light to this, which is why I can make a movie about it because it's the one thing that everybody kind of knows about Bitcoin. Oh, Bitcoin! Oh, isn't Bitcoin bad for the environment because it consumes so much energy? But like <laughs> yeah. when you think about it, like like that's actually kind of incredible. Like the Bitcoin network consumes a lot of energy and it's also very valuable. Like this whole industry from the energy side to the Bitcoin, like everything about it, it's very valuable. Like it actually takes real resources to 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 continue to create on every 10 minutes. It's incredible. So let's then talk about that. Let's talk about miners building substations. Let's talk about um, what transmission lines mean. Let's talk about the difference between energy and electricity, like people say. Uh, And that's one of the biggest issues with the critics against Bitcoin is they equate amount of electricity to a carbon source all the time. Like certain critics, right? Not everybody, but certain critics. But. Electricity, depending on where it comes from, it's not necessarily a carbon, you know, or whatever, like deemed whatever has been deemed green by the powers that be. It's, it, it, it actually is very green, you know, the type of energy that it consumes, where it consumes it is a very, very green thing. Um, and so it just, the arguments against it don't really, um, stand much ground. And so I wanted to make this movie about this coin that just doesn't fucking give a shit because for me, I come from the honey badger like class of bitcoin. <laughs> so for me, I'm like of course it's dirty because the honey badger doesn't give a shit. Like are you <laughs> kidding me? Of course it's dirty. It, it it functions outside of the reality of the world that we have experienced for such a long time and who decides what is clean and dirty? The powers that be decide what is clean, what is dirty. We have seen a lot of "quote unquote" clean things be extremely dirty and devastating to countries like Chile, um, and the mining of lithium and everything that that comes with that. I mean, we who decides what is green um, and what is what is okay? But either way, again, Bitcoin doesn't care. Bitcoin will just. Consume these inefficiencies across all of these different systems. And it's just so fascinating. And I feel like I, I'm making Dirty Coin today. Like I, we said earlier, I have to stop filming, but there's always more people that I could interview. But I need to stop it here because this is like a just kind of like a snapshot of where we are at today, especially before the halving, you know, and at this particular halving that's coming up. We are just kind of a snapshot, and this this industry, and not just this industry, the AI industry, is also high power computers. There's more chips, so it's it's not just Bitcoin mining. It's our digital lives, our internet lives, are about to blow up, (laughs) and that's kind of like I don't even know. Like I'm gonna in ten years, I'm gonna be like I didn't even fucking know. Like,
0: (laughs) well, none of us knew, right? I mean, there's no way to tell. Um, For I just want to drop in since uh, you mentioned the halving. So for anyone who doesn't know what the halving is, Bitcoin's protocol is written such that every approximately every four years, um, the reward granted to miners who successfully mine a block um, is halved. So it started off at like 50 point something. I don't know exactly what the first number was, but right now it's like 6.25 something, something Bitcoin, every block. Six and a quarter. Yeah. So every 10 minutes, these miners who are mining the Bitcoin, whoever succeeds at solving the block, they get that much Bitcoin. And sometime next year, which I think it's supposed to be like in April or May. Um, and the date is not, you know, it's not preset per se. That It has to do with the block height. So how many blocks have been created? So on a certain block height, that number of, that reward will cut in half. And usually that has, I mean, we we expect it to have a big impact on Bitcoin. So would you talk a little bit more about like what you think that could mean?
2: Well, so miners, miners spend money on electricity and computers and teams and software and a bunch of stuff and sponsorships (laughs) to to, to, to like all these events that we go to. Um, And they they do that so that they can mine a cheaper Bitcoin, right? So if you buy Bitcoin, let's say Bitcoin costs $28,000 per Bitcoin, you go and you buy a Bitcoin retail, you buy it at $28,000, a miner buys it at, let's say, for example, obviously, so many different things go into play. So different costs, different things. Miners get their Bitcoin at different rates in terms of like how expensive it is for them to mine it. But let's say that a $28,000 Bitcoin, and again, don't fucking brain on me if my number and my math is wrong, but everybody can admit that a miner is going to get a 28K, for example, Bitcoin for around $12,000 Twelve to $14,000. That's their cost per Bitcoin to mine the, that particular block because they are investing all of that. And that block gets, gives them, if, they, if a miner wins a block or a pool wins a block, they get six and a quarter Bitcoin, which is, you know, let's say Bitcoin is at 28K, it's 28K times six and a quarter Bitcoin. And they either keep it all to themselves or in their, they're in the pool. Now, let's say that for them, it means that they're making, I don't know, Twelve thousand dollars per Bitcoin. In the having, they're going to make half as much money on that block reward, which means it's going to be like three and one point one something something, and. Let's say it's $12,000. Now it's going to double. So their, their reward, the money that they make from that reward, from that block reward just gets cut down in half. And traditionally what happens, there's always some kind of movement that happens with that. Certain people leave the space, certain people enter the space. It's like, it's really interesting how that happens, like historically, and that's about to happen. And that's why the having is just like, you know, <laughs> this like big events. It's because it really is a big event. And so these miners are now going to get paid half as much. So if your margins were not good, you're now about to get less margins, which means you might not be profitable doing this anymore. And you just sell your machines to somebody and you liquidate. You're like, okay, I'm out of of the game. Sorry, I'm going to cash out.
0: So that's the people who are like on the upper side of that average, you said of like about 14,000 per you know, per Bitcoin, like of cost, exactly. right? Exactly. So the people who are doing it as a business and then they're above that average. So once that profit gets chopped in half, I mean, that might murder a lot of those people. And then yeah. likely the people who are on the lower side of that average, they're, they're going to they be survive. There, they're going to be buying all of those Miners, exactly. that the other people are going
2: to be selling and right, <laughs> and that's why it's so beautiful because that the industry just kind of like kind of morphs, you know, it morphs naturally, it morphs gradually. I will say this: I will say this. Miners don't just get the block reward; they also get transaction fees, and this is where I've been having more conversations about ordinals, and I would actually love to talk now, kind of listen to you guys a little bit because. <laughs> I ordinals and things like that, especially what occurred this year, there were there were situations where the transaction fees were higher than the block rewards. Uh, there were certain months, certain blocks, and that's a really interesting thing because if a miner, if the if mining is profitable. And you're not just you know pooling into uh, block rewards, but into transaction fees. If, if it's just profitable to mine, it incentivizes the decentralization and the and having more people mining because it just makes sense to get cheaper Bitcoin, you know, um, uh, everywhere. And maybe you need the heat. Maybe there are other. Maybe you're running your dryer, your clothing dryer on it, or something like. I feel like there's going to be more opportunities for innovation in the mining hardware space if it's profitable to, to do it at home. And so I do believe that having higher transaction fees are, it is going to incentivize a whole market of like, you know, people mining at home. Um, But how do you guys feel about ordinals?
0: Well, so I don't know the extent to which we've talked about this on the show. We must've talked about this on the show. Um, So I, I tend to have like a an opinion about ordinals in terms of my own interest in it as a technology, and then I have an opinion in terms of like what its impact could be on Bitcoin. So I just pulled up the mempool um, on mempool.space. We are not sponsored, and uh, I just checked what the, the fees are right now. And right now, the fees are two satoshis per virtual byte, which is extremely low. That's like a for someone like me. That's like hallelujah! It's wonderful. I'd love to pay two, three, four. I would even you know five satoshis per virtual byte for a transaction is like a bargain these days in this year. Um, So even before the ordinals thing came up, there was um, a study that had calculated how much miners were making on fees over the last several years, and the dollar amount per year had actually been going up year over year, despite you know the the having so. I think in the future the the fees are going to play an important role especially as the quantity of bitcoin that the miners are making goes down. Now in yeah. regards to ordinals, so my personal opinion as like a fundamentalist bitcoin maxi uh is that I think they're kind of silly in terms of a technology. Um my whole thing like I find inscriptions very interesting and this is something that I have been thinking about for like several years now, um, you know, the idea of the Bitcoin blockchain being this um, sort of public record, it's it's an immutable public record, and therefore information could be placed in the blockchain for safekeeping. You know, like if you you needed to get a message and you needed to be out in public, where is the safest place to put it? Because, especially if it's just a a message, a a line, a piece of information, or something like that. So, I'm not necessarily arguing that that's what Bitcoin should be used for, but I cannot really think of any other technologies that exist today that can serve that same role. If I wanted to save a message somewhere, um, a wanted poster, a bounty, you know, whatever it is. A song. A a, a song, song lyrics, a a wedding registration claiming that I have gotten married to some person and I want the whole world, you know, like this is the record that this happened. You know, like there's no- Captain Brunch. (laughs) There's no other place for that. So inscriptions I find very interesting. Ordinals is to me is like this affectation or this conceit that because that inscription has been placed in a particular transaction, in a particular block on the blockchain, that that therefore creates this asset class that we're calling ordinals that people can own and trade. I don't, to me, this is just a complete little fantasy. Um, I don't think you can own ordinals and I don't think you can trade ordinals. I think you can believe that you own ordinals and I think that you can believe that you can trade ordinals, but I don't think that really exists. Now, to get, so to, to, to the second part of the answer, though, is my opinion about ordinals as sort of like a business or the impact that it can have on Bitcoin. And I don't think that miners, for the most part, care about the content of a transaction. No. You know, like I because don't think that,
2: they are looking for how is it profitable to mine?
0: Well, yeah, that's I mean, okay. that's if it's a, if it's a valid transaction, if it follows the rules of the protocol and they're paying a fee, then what's oh, the problem, right? Like, so the free market economist in me, you know, like regardless of what I think of ordinals as a cultural movement, it's, I see the bottom line that if they're creating valid transactions Miners are going to mine them because they're in the business of mining transactions. This is how we secure the network. And if they start, you know, censoring transactions because they don't like, oh, I don't like ordinals, I mean, that's just silly. And then they're essentially leaving money on the table that someone else is going to be very, very happy to collect (laughs) this is this this is the absurdity so you know um what you got people calling ordinals an attack on bitcoin i mean i i think calling things an attack on bitcoin is an attack Attack on on bitcoin 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 doesn't care no it it does not care
1: it's funny like um i I think about i don't have too much opinion about ordinals i don't really care but the the idea (laughs) of of using um we, you know, what we consider money to, to, to use it for other purposes. It reminds me of, of people writing on dollar bills or, you know, like like putting information on them and and, and giving them out or turning a dollar bill into like a, a little like, like origami or the something? origami. Yeah. <laughs> and I, and I still have those. Like I still have dollar bills I've kept for whatever reason. It's, you know, I'm no longer using it as money. I'm I'm using it as a keepsake or a memory or some sort of information. That uh, It means something to me and only me and obviously I don't own it, but to me, I kind of do like it's this is a part of me.
0: Well, you do physically own those dollars that you have them in your house, right? Yeah. Whereas but, with Bitcoin, see, this is why I think the inscriptions are interesting, because with an inscription, it's like you made that origami dollar, but now everyone can see it. And maybe it means <clears> nothing <throat> to almost everyone.
1: But it's lost its value as a dollar because I'm never going to use it as currency anymore. Now it's literally
0: just a piece of paper. Well, that's right. what I like about...
2: But aren't <laughs> baseball trading cards, like baseball cards, just a piece of paper?
0: They definitely are. And so, you know, collect- collectibles is such Card a complicated... Cardstock, thing. <laughs> thing.
2: Yeah, it's a very- just a piece of paper, it's hard paper.
0: <laughs> it's good paper, okay. <laughs> I mean, I think it's a nuanced issue because, you know... Co- I say that value is subjective, right? Like anyone can value whatever they want, and they are going to value whatever they want. So it's not my place to tell someone that no. a bunch of ink on cardstock in a certain like organization is. But more it's the val-
2: rookie card. <laughs> it's the first edition, man. First
1: print. What's wrong with you?
0: Well, you know, and I I do like art, right? And uh, I mean, I even bought a print not that long ago. I mentioned it on the show from an artist called Bitcoin Apex and you know he's an artist out of Germany and he makes these really complex hand drawings and i bought a print of one of his drawings, right? So it's not even like, it's just a print, right? Like anyone can print it. Like you can just download the file off the internet and print it. But I paid this guy, a, a you know, a, a good amount of money so that with my print, he would send me this little certificate. And I bet you it felt <laughs> even better because you were buying it directly from the artist. Oh, it felt great that I was buying directly <laughs> from the artist, but this is what, one of the things that I'm so passionate about value for value, about the ethos of Bitcoin, um, you know, about a uh, dirty coin. And then the way that you're, trying to promote this and the way you're spreading this throughout the Bitcoin community is that there's a recognition of value for value and how important it is to let people demonstrate for themselves how much they value something because one of the fascinating things about pricing is that sometimes putting a price on an experience limits how much money you can make from it. Yeah. Like if, if you put a $10 price cap, like, okay, pay me $10 for this thing. Buy me a coffee. Right? Like now you're saying, well, if someone wanted to buy you like a dozen donuts, now they're just buying you a coffee. You know, yeah. so when you could have gotten a dozen donuts. But
2: let me tell you guys, for me, it's been like learning even how to be a, an artist within those constraints of value for value. So... One thing is to know something because you've read it, because you understand it. And another thing is to actually put it into practice and, you know, make a business case out of like literally putting your money where your mouth is. And, and you need to kind of retrain your brain because we've had this like fiat way of like, no, but I need to get X money tickets. Mm-hmm. This is, this is how this works. Like, I need to understand this. And what I have, experienced myself is I was like, we're going to get corporate sponsors for the screenings because I need to like m- have the film make money back. Like, look, you don't have to. And, and, and again, it kind of goes back to who who values this. Nobody needs to watch a Bitcoin mining documentary. Nobody needs to watch it, but I think the world needs to watch it, which is why I'm making it, but not everybody's going to watch it. So you don't have to watch it, but if you want to, you should understand the value of the information that you're getting and you should pay for it, you know, because the, when you look at the film and when I look at the film and I just sit back and I'm like, wow, this is a, this is a two year journey and, and, and not just two years, it's like the the, the, i've been I've known about Bitcoin for eight years now. So they, for Bitcoin has I have seen it, and I have been a part of it um, for eight years. And so, and now, you know, after this film and the people that I know and the things that i am I've learned, it's like it's it's so hard to unknow. There's so no moving back. into the future with, with what we know in Bitcoin. But anyway, like, so I'm very happy. I'm really happy. I feel like this is a good place to learn, but are you okay? Oh, my husband's in the, in the room, in the (laughs) office. And I'm like, what's going on? But he's, he's doing the right thing with turning on the lights.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Bitcoin is like that first drop of LSD. You never go back to baseline.
2: Can you, Bitcoin is what? <laughs>
0: <laughs> He's comparing it to, to tripping LSD and it never, You're you are
1: know. never the same after, you know, your, your first trip of ACID.
2: Well, I, you know, I've never done ACID, <laughs> so <laughs> well, done I guess I'm still the last you person Bitcoin, I was. You've so. done
0: Bitcoins, so you have a, a comparable para, a parallel experience in a different realm of existence. Um, to, to capstone the or, uh, ordinals discussion, so I still have mempool up. There are, there are about Went up. <laughs> fifty-five blocks waiting to get mined right now. So, you know, during like the height of the ordinal craze, there would have been you know like more than two hundred blocks waiting to get mined, and the fees were really high. Um, I mean. Even now, people are still paying stupid fees, like 103 sats per virtual byte. But people were paying like 1,500 sats per virtual byte. Uh, just crazy, crazy fees. So, I mean, I do think that the Ordinal's craze has worn, uh, like worn calmed down. Yeah, it's waned tremendously. Um, and I don't know if there's going to be a second wind. We're going to see, you know, like our friend Roz is trying to put together a conference called Ord Basel down here in Miami or up Whoa, here.
2: for oh, Art Basel?
0: Yeah, during the Art Basel time, yeah.
2: I'm going to come up for Art Basel. I'm going to be talking to the big Basel guys. Cool, Here's yeah. the thing. Yep. we need to We need to come together and continue to have conversations because it is too early to call anything anything. It is too early. It's about continuing for some of us. For some of us. For some of some people, they already called it, they're out of the game. Good for them. For some of us, it's about continuing to have conversations because I don't believe that, you know, with the little exposure that I have had to such a new technology, do would I really close the book on what the the repercussions mean? Like as a person that has been in, in tech for so long, you know, cell phones. I remember cell phones becoming a thing. I remember then (laughs) smartphones becoming a thing. I wouldn't have even thought that I ever needed an iPhone, like a smartphone. And now you can't even get a phone that is not a smartphone. Like We have changed so much. And I remember when the internet was just about like reading stuff, like going to people's websites and like learning about where their address is and their menu, like Pizza Hut. I would go on Pizza Hut's internet, (laughs) and like now look at what we have. So, I don't think I. I, What I know is that Bitcoin has solved a huge. Part of the equation that is now out there forever. It's kind of like a, a, a genie that's out of the bottle, a rabbit that's out of the hat. It's like out. Um, it's incredible. And we are, it's just still so young to call anything anything. And to continue to have these conversations and really see like, what would it mean to have a high transaction fee you know bitcoin network you know like what does that mean like we're at least a, a mining network what does that mean from from the mining perspective and the proof of work perspective and that means that more hardware gets in the space that means that more software gets in the space that means that more people can mine at home we can actually decentralize the network instead of, instead of having like just you know, anybody like I hate this fallacy that only oh, it's not profitable to mine at home anymore. Or, you know, you if you're not a if you're not big, you shouldn't do it. I I don't know. I feel like that kinda goes against this idea that you should be wanting to think about mining at home or running a node or really being a part of the network and and not just investing in Bitcoin because numbers go up, but like really understand how to incorporate it into your life. And I do think that home mining is a a key piece of that because you then really decentralize that energy consumption and it'll be really hard to get a 51% attack when you have so many people around the world participating in the data center part of their digital currency. (laughs) So um,
0: I just want to take a quick moment to uh, mention to you and to remind the people who are listening to the show that so we are broadcasting live on the podcasting 2.0 system, which means that if you're using a modern podcast Mm -hmm. app, which you could find at podcastapps.com, you, mm-hmm. uh, you'd be able to listen to this show live, other than on our, um, our own personal live stream. But we do record this show, and we do upload it to podcasts, so a lot of people will be able to listen to this in the future. And part of the Podcasting 2.0 technology is that people can actually send Satoshis directly through their podcast player to the show. And so I wanted to give a big shout nice. out to our friend Jay- Uh, who has sent us a couple of boosts? So he sent us one last week that we forgot or we didn't get it in time or whatever the excuse is. Jay had sent 30,000 sats. Thank you so much, Jay. He said, thanks for the value. He also sent us another one. You want to read that one for us?
1: Sure, Jay from Proof of Work Fitness via Podverse sends another 1,000 sats. Thank you for what you've done with this movie. Thank you for bringing your creative energy to Bitcoin. Great guest.
0: Yes, you are a wonderful Aww. guest, Alana. I'm very happy to have you. And Jay, thanks for boosting us. Uh, really happy to to get your sats thank and to you. provide that value for us. Um, so Saturday Night Lit is a value for value podcast. So if you're listening to this podcast and you want to send some sats, please, please go ahead and do that on any modern podcast player. Um, and yeah, thank you so much. So I have two more questions I want to ask you um, two things I wanted to bring up and get your thoughts on Alana. Um, one is I wanted to ask you about how you think, or it, I wanted you to compare your experience of making this film about Bitcoin to what is otherwise the normal way of filmmaking. Like, is it, has this been otherwise a normal film or have you had to do things in a different way because it's a Bitcoin movie? Or to what extent have you had to do things differently?
2: That's a great question. I think one of the biggest differences between this film and the other ones that I've done is that the other ones that I've done, I calculate the cost for it in less time. So it's like, Okay, well, this will cost us two months, three months, and we'll interview these people. Like, I'll know who to interview, like, I'll know, you know, who to go for. But whoever's available during those dates, we travel, we shoot, we're done, we edit it, we put something together. That's like my agency, you know, running gun, the hire for hire, director for hire. Kind of lifestyle, but with this one, it was like raising money for me to continue to film, for me to continue to do this movie, so it was different because of that. And it took a year, uh, we're over a year and a half. I don't know how many months at this point I should count them, but the days are blurring together. Um, it's been a long time, and so. Th- The difference, the key difference is that this one has just taken me so much longer. I had a lot of conversations. And let me tell you, I've, I interviewed 74 people, um, including senators, directors of energy. I interviewed the director of energy at Finland. Um, I interviewed just so many people. I'm not even going to name drop because it's (laughs) just like, you just have to watch it, like everybody. Um, And that was different because... I would talk to somebody and they would say, You should interview this person. And then it would just, that person would say yes. And um, the amount of time that you, the the product that you get from a, a movie that you have spent a year and a half, more than a year and a half of your life working on versus something that you spent three months, you just can't cheat a year and a half of people. Like it's just impossible. It's four continents. It's, it's so many different perspectives. And I wanted to make sure that I got this story right because Bitcoin didn't hire me to do this, right? <laughs> I don't have the Satoshi, he didn't send me an email for this. Like I've been raising funds to make this story. So for me, I have, you know, I'm not like Bitcoin rich or anything like that. Like for me, I really want to see what does this look like? And, you know, so, so yeah, I would say that was the biggest, the biggest difference. The biggest difference is A, there's no call to action at the end other than I hope that I've orange pilled you enough (laughs) to (laughs) continue your journey. You know, there's a lot of con, there's a lot of great content that's out there, a lot of great Bitcoin content that's out there that I just hope to, I just hope to bring more people into. The vortex into the Bitcoin vortex, and they can follow other folks. I want to continue down energy. Obviously, I will continue in Bitcoin, and you know what what everything means because I'm already in Bitcoin. But I, this my film. By the way, for whoever doesn't know me, um, I'm making a film about Bitcoin mining, and I'm I've only focused on like the energy side of how much energy Bitcoin consumes because that seems to be like the one point that everybody like keeps complaining about. And, but it's also like the most fascinating for me, obviously I'm biased, um, but it it just brings so much human flourishing, like actual human flourishing in every single fucking way, meaning electricity in people's homes and electricity at hospitals and electricity at schools and what it means to have a business that has a refrigerator versus not having one, Um, having um, stovetops or little stoves instead of burning wood inside your house. These are these are real real human problems that Bitcoin mining is solving by 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 being in certain areas and and by these miners wanting to spend money on their Bitcoin and it's.
0: Oh, Alana, we're suffering some. Well, uh, to look at and so for me,
2: that, that's been the biggest difference. You, is just Alana, following so a human story versus a brand.
0: We, we lost you for a moment and uh we didn't hear like the last um, let's say 30 I think seconds you dropped out again uh-oh we are having some communication problems i'm surprised it was so smooth for so long
1: yeah <laughs> I was literally just thinking, man, I should bring an Ethernet out here, and when we so we don't have to rely on Wi-Fi.
0: Alana, there she is. Alana, so we lost you for a little bit. Can you try to retrace some of the things you just said? We'll fix it in post. Oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> well,
2: <laughs> what was the last you heard? <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh, I don't remember. Or what do you want
2: to, or, or what? No, you okay. asked me another question. Let, let me I ask you know.
0: one more question. Um, because uh, since we started this whole conversation with Chimp talking about this uh, movie he's going to watch tomorrow Giant Blue? Blue Giant. Blue Giant. Blue Giant. I wanted to ask you, Alana, what kind of movies do you like to watch for fun? Like well, maybe what are some of your favorite films?
2: Oh my God. Well, those are two different questions. <laughs> favorite, Favorite film? I love I Heart Huckabee's Little Miss Sunshine. Um, I'm a huge fan of Stargate SG One and like Sci Fi shows. Yeah. My husband is a like a dungeon master for Dungeons and Dragons <laughs> and he plays virtually and he is just the biggest nerd about Dungeons and Dragons. And then my daughter, which is 15, my oldest, she's also a huge D&D and like a uh, seeping universe and like uh, all over the garden wall. Like she's really into animation and like showing me like cool stuff. So I, I like to see things that like over the garden wall, for example, such a cool little animated fucking thing. And, She just showed it to me and she wants to share that with me because she just wants to show me some cool art. Um, and I'm just looking at it from the business perspective, like, oh my God, this is like brilliant. (laughs) Like this is so good. So I, I I enjoy seeing independent artists that are like really killing it from the business perspective because as a producer, my mind, like I, I get turned on by that. It's like, oh God, I love this monetization model. Like, it's like, you know, just like, I love it. Um, but then as a, as a, as a director, I'm also like, shit, then this is, this is a good way to do it. So. Nowadays, I like to see things that are or follow creators that are, you know, really innovating in the space because um, there's there's uh, a personal interest and a professional interest to keep keep track of that. But it's also just super exciting to just follow people that want to do new things. Um, because I also want to do new things. I feel like I'm also doing new things. So I appreciate that. But I have some oldies that at the end of the day, we're a big Doctor Who, loving family. We uh, know all Dr. the doctors. Who, yeah. um, so a sci-fi, Black Mirror. If I could ever direct a Black Mirror episode, I would I would die happy. Okay, but, universe, you, know, you
0: heard that? You heard that? <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> all right, insane. so Ins-
0: inscribe it on order. <laughs> <laughs> so Alana, um, we're going to give you the last word. Any parting words you want to share with the the internet before we cut out here?
2: Parting words. You know, I I think that we are changing into a digital age where we need to value privacy. I, I guess I could go in many different directions, but let's talk about privacy. I do believe that what like when I speak with somebody and and I and it's like a funny thing to like oh they pick up their phone and they're like I'm a size 8 honey and my 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 birthday is coming up like it's become a joke that our devices are listening to us all the time and that we have certain corporations that are listening and selling us things and our privacy is is cheap your privacy is not cheap like what you to disclose of yourself is of great value. And we live in the digital age where information is worth a lot of money. So really understanding how you want to dole out your data, your, your creations, is important. And so I would I would really say don't stop with bitcoin to the crowd to the internet go with bitcoin definitely go down the bitcoin rabbit hole but also really look at your entire digital persona and start value, value like creating understanding how valuable your data is and therefore your privacy how much information you're willing to to let the world know about you Um, and who's monetizing from what you are deciding to put out into the universe. So, um, that's where I would like to part ways is, is really saying, have you thought about your privacy lately?
0: (laughs) Well, thank you so much, Alana. That was some pretty profound stuff to close up with. I hope you'll uh, join us again once Dirty Coin is released. Uh, This has been Saturday Night Lit. From the Treehouse, I'm Captain Brunch. And I'm Chimp. Signing out. Oh, by the way, Chimp's not
1: my real name. <laughs> Peace.